You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wundri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors, ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flip flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what was right. Represent. Represent. You were back on Represent with Mimi, Brady, and George. I said the same every single week. You do, but it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. We'll move on this time. Um, But obviously, it is a very important week in international affairs with the recent death of Queen Elizabeth, um, which Bridie will be talking a lot about today, and we'll have a bit of discussion about what that means for everyone and, I guess, international order in general. Well, I was thinking more of Australian order was my angle, okay. actually, George. This is <laughs> didn't check the notes. Yeah, my bad, my bad. There's also a new Prime Minister in England. There is. Oh, we- true. So that just... <laughs> yeah, that kind of just flew over our heads a little bit. Yeah, really you guys did. looked at yeah. me like I was crazy and I was like, I there is, isn't here. it? <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, there is one, right? Yes, there, there is. is. There is. Liz, Liz. Trust. Yeah, Another Liz. Trust. Liz. Yeah, another Liz. One goes, one enters. When you think about the... The Conservatives have done a lot for women's leadership roles. Like, this is the <laughs> third... Theresa yeah, May. Yeah. All right-wing, like, <laughs> far-right-wingers, but um, that's interesting to me. Inspiring. Yeah, inspiring. <laughs> be, a, be an ultra-right-winger to get your way in politics. And Bridal will be talking a little bit about refugees and the... Mimi. I'm Mimi. What did I say? <laughs> you said Friday. Oh, sorry. Mimi will be discussing um, refugees and their job prospects, I believe. Mm. But anyway, on the other side of this, you are back on Represent on Sin with Mimi, Brady, and George. And in the first segment, I know Brady knows. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, but you're trying to avoid yeah, saying it. Yeah, I know. It. It's just when you looked at me, I, I knew not to say it. But anyway. Take it away, Brady. Yes. Okay, so in case you haven't heard, the Queen died overnight. So that's a 70-year reign, which has just come to an end, which is pretty crazy if you think about it, you know. The oldest people I know are like, well, like my grandma, she's 80-something, over 80. So, you know, she was in boarding school when the Queen was first 
like became queen. She first ascended to the throne, if you will. So this is a long, long, long time after that. Mm. The longest serving British monarch ever. So definitely she was also very controversial as a figure. She was very uniting in the UK as people really sort of were very fond of her because she'd been around for so long. She was very steadfast, a bit of a figurehead leader. But obviously she was also the leader of a country and a regime, if you like, that colonised and wreaked havoc across the world. And she did have the position to change things, but she chose not to. Um, But I'm going to take more of an Australian perspective on the events of the day and the night. Um, let's throw it back to 1999 <laughs> when we had... I just want to go yeah. back to When we had a referendum about whether Australia should become a republic, which failed quite badly. Um, Malcolm Turnbull was the leader of the Republican movement, um, but because there wasn't bipartisan support for the republic, as we know... With our referendums, we've chatted about referendums quite yeah, a bit. Can you explain it again for the listeners that aren't aware? Again, the double the, the, y- No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do it quickly. The double majority. If a referendum wants to pass, it has to have fifty percent nationally a majority, and fifty percent in four out of six states. I thought it was every state, but it doesn't count. This the is why you wanted to. You just wanted oh, to debate. Okay, we gotcha. do this every time. Yeah, because we've like, done it three it times. That's why I was like, why do we need to talk about it again? <laughs> well, I think everyone needs the standard year 11 legal studies recap yeah, every week. Well, actually, Fair enough. Yeah. Every third week we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep it really It's part fresh. of the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so because John Howard doomed it to fail by not supporting it, even though he proposed it... Um, it, we can really see that bipartisan support is really necessary for referendums to pass in Australia. Only eight out of 44 ever have passed since Federation. So I read a little thing from a speech that Malcolm Turnbull gave in, like, 2013, so it was a bit old, but he was just talking about sort of reflecting on the Republican movement and what happened at that referendum, and that was basically he was kind of arguing that we can't be pushing for a refer- uh, for a republic, sorry, because we hate the Brits. He was like, it's a pom-hating, Brit-trashing argument or something like that. Um, He said it has to be something about loving Australia, which I just kind of thought was an interesting idea. And I think he's right. Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think many people would go around being like, I want a republic because I really love Australia. No, I don't think many people would, but I think he's right. Yeah. Because I feel like... Yeah, I just feel like you don't get anywhere by trashing someone. You know, you've got to appease them. Yeah. It's like positive feedback. No one wants to do what you say if you just go, you suck. Reverse psychology. Yeah, a bit of reverse psychology. It's kind of contradictory how, like, the the idea of people wanting to stay, like, want to become a republic because they love Australia, which is normally, like, the patriotic side, which is normally right-wing, yet the people who are pushing for the Republic is generally mm. a little left-wing. That is interesting. Mm. I not thought about That's that. a bit peculiar. Peculiar. Yes. Well, we've been hearing sort of rumblings for years in, like, the political system, being like, oh, when the Queen dies, or if she abdicates, but she didn't. So. Um, when the Queen dies, that's when we'll become a Republic, and that'll increase the push for Republicanism. And the kind of the debate has been kind of pushed off until this point. Now we're at the point, and we've already had Adam Bant tweeting this morning before 8.30. That's an early morning tweet. He goes, you know, condolences to the royal family, um, but we need to be a republic and have a treaty right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's the time. Like, no one really likes 
Prince Charles. Exactly. And King Charles now. Well. Yeah, King And, Charles. like, I feel like I think things would be so much different if it was William and Kate. I think Definitely. people would have more of, like, a, like a monarch sentiment because yeah. I think they kind of, like, see her as... They're much Not another liked. die, but just, like, you know, more liked. Yeah. But I feel like Charles. no one likes Charles and He's Watson. very unpopular. And so that's another reason I think that it's probably more likely now than ever. Yeah, I because agree. Because he's such an unpopular dude. Well, do we think that perhaps there would have been, you know, a drive for a republic had she like lived a little bit longer, like say another ten years, which would be crazy. A little bit. And, you know what I mean? But like in <laughs> that time, be, she'd have to write a letter to herself. She yeah, would have true. to. But do we think that the trend was going in that way anyway of becoming a republic, or do you think that you know mm. this had to happen for us to become a republic? Well, I know that. Um, Labor had already flagged it. If it's mm. re-elected for a second term, they'll hold a referendum on the republic. Jeez, he's but just holding referendums right and center. That was initially a campaign promise, but then yeah. they backtracked from that. I think oh, in did time, they? yeah, yeah. Oh, so. My bad, then. <laughs> Maybe not. I think they'd be open to it, but they're not. They're not it's like not guaranteed. a promise to. Yeah, you yeah. know what I Nothing's think. Guaranteed. I reckon if they did a voice to parliament referendum and that was successful, yeah. then they'd try to do yeah, the I referendum totally for Because right. I don't think this. you could do a referendum and then fail and then be like, yeah. we're going to try again. For that reason. But also, I also think, but I think the voice to parliament would be a good indicator of like whether people would want to like, um, like do a treaty kind of vibe and yeah. like not have. And change a quite like fundamentally. Not fundamentally in the sense of the voice, but. I mean, a republic would very fundamentally change the mm. political system. That would be crazy. We'd have to have our own, like, military. Like. We, we do, maybe. <laughs> no, I know we do, but, like, we wouldn't have to just jump and, like, if they were, like, we're going to do yeah, it, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? If the but then we probably possible. wouldn't have them to support us, like. Well, well I think UK we would probably now. still be friends with the UK. But yeah. would we? They could be a bit salty. Well... UK and the US are still major allies, and they had a war, a bit, a bit <laughs> more than a conflict. And besides, we, we put most, ago. yeah, exactly. But we we put most of our reliances on America anyway, in terms yeah. of like bandwagoning and. So. True. So, um, do you think that we'll ever get there in this term? Do you think that? Sorry, that was a bit like big picture. <laughs> do you think we'll get there in this term, or even like in our lifetimes? Like, I feel like. Now, to me, and I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but now feels like the time. I don't think it'll happen now, but I think there'll be a referendum in our lifetime. Yeah. I don't mean, like, today now. No. I mean, like, uh, in the near future. Like, do you mean, like, in the next year or two? Next couple of years. I'm not sure. I don't think people, like, care... Like enough? No, not That's to say people don't what care. I think I think people yeah. are like oh, like it's. An but I don't issue. think someone's gonna yeah. like Malcolm Turnbull did. I don't think anyone's gonna put their political career aside just to really fight like, for a yeah. republic. But I think I actually think it would be like I think if we, as we see more diversity mm. in Parliament, mm. then I think That's it would happen. I kind of think you might have to have like a. Not even just a per- like a person of color, but even just like a like like a my like an immigrant or just someone who wants to be more representative of like the now Australia, yeah, rather than the Australia that was. As you were saying that, like, like I think it'd be someone like that who would yeah, start it when it becomes more diverse and more representative, and kind of there's like an old crowd in Parliament, which are like the 
sort of older liberals or like Pauline Hanson who have been around for ages and they're all kind of, they're monarchists and they would be very anti-republic. So, you know, maybe as that kind of changes, the demographics shift and stuff. Yeah, because I think the argument would be like, with the positive Australian thing, I reckon it'd be more like let's have an Australia that like yeah. represents like our diversity. Yeah. We'd have to get a new flag, new anthem, new everything yeah. that happens. It'd be so Submit your flag ideas Imagine the person who gets to design, who would like get to design the flag. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. It'd be so crazy. It'd be like... What would what, such a change? What like, do you think we'd put on our flag? A kangaroo, <laughs> a gun nah, leaf. I reckon it'd be like gum tree something. They'd probably. Be I think like, it needs to be like a civilized kind a of stylized animal. Yeah, it can't just be like a kangaroo, a kangaroo with like boxing, boxing gloves. gloves. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um, it'd be like a gum leaf, but I reckon they'd yeah. want to put like something like multicultural, like diverse in there. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Or something for like Aboriginal people. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Like, maybe they'd have a few, like... Actually, that doesn't really make sense. But, like, I was going to say, like, some waters bridging, like, nations or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear, like, a banging national anthem. Yeah, like we, a real headbanger. Like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, like, the French national anthem. Oh, the Marseille. Yeah, that's the... I mean, like, if you actually look at the lyrics of that, it's a bit controversial. Yeah, it's a um, but, yeah, like, or, or like... I can see some random pop song going up there, like, you know, Glass Animals just releasing a tune for us or something. <laughs> but we could have Scott Morris. No, Daniel Andrews. Um, oh, get on the, on the beers. beers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think that would be very popular. Um, but anyway, I think we'll digress our attention. Um, coming up next, Mimi will be talking about refugees and their job prospects in the future. You'll listen to Represent here on Sin. You're back on Represent on Sin. Maybe take it away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have a bit of a nice story for us today, guys. That's it's exciting. a heart warmer. And, you know, after the death of Queen Elizabeth, I think we need a bit of yeah, warmth in our Yeah, it was a bit sombre. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like that... Well, it's not like that story at all, but, like, it's similar in the way that, like, I don't have many questions. I kind of just think it's a nice, like... Okay, yeah, fair ...thing enough. to just have a little chat about. But, um... So... There is this program called the Community Refugee Integration and Settlement Pilot, a.k.a. CRISP. <laughs> Sounds like it's some kind of, like, secret service It feels thing. like something very, like, biology, like, DNA chopping up CRISP. That's probably because of CRISPR. That would be right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called CRISP, um, and the program uses local people to help refugees kind of integrate into the community. Um, so... I'm not particularly sure whether this program is, like, nationwide or if it's just in New, in New South Wales. Um, but the idea is that a group of people from a local community register to join and then they get matched with a refugee or, like, a, a family and they help them integrate. And it sounds like it happens in a more regional level, like, in towns and stuff, because um, the kind of idea is that these people who... Um, like nominate themselves to help they have like the ins and outs of that little town so they can like like you know better be able to be like oh my gosh go get this job and go to this school so it kind of sounds like it's a more regional thing um and the family that i'm focusing on today moved to brunswick heads in new south wales has anyone been to brunswick heads i reckon i might have i love brunswick heads i've been there 
It's really beautiful. There's a there's a river and a beach. That's I know Sam's thing. been there a lot. Oh, I've been there. George's girlfriend yes. is with us today, and she's informing George that he's forgotten a pivotal moment in their relationship. That's an argument for later. <laughs> um, I think I might have gone there on like a cycling trip that I did when I was six. So. Oh, okay. Um, Anyway, so the support group for from Brunswick Heads has helped this family find housing, um, schooling and employment. Um, and in this specific area in Brunswick Heads, the support group is made up of 10 women. Um, and what is special, as I've said about this arrangement, is that the women know the area really well and they, like, they know all the businesses, they know the people, and so they can work out what can be provided to this family. Um, so they went to Crisp and they said, we are low in hospitality staff match us with someone who like works in that industry and so they were matched with Syrian refugees Assam Mahmoud and Dua Madini and Assam is a chef so straight away he had the local businesses of Brunswick Heads offering him heaps of jobs and he said it was really nice um, in the article of ABC so he got a job as a chef in one of the restaurants Um, and so like the women who do this I guess kind of like facilitate this like they go to the restaurant be like we have this person like they're kind of like you know the middle the middleman and they also just do other things like help with Medicare and like run errands and just like all that type of stuff so as we know there's been job shortages in industries such as hospitality and others as well. And this isn't unique to Brunswick Heads. Um, and this article kind of points towards the idea that if we have this program that works well, perhaps it can be used to, f- to fulfil one of the key announcements from last week's job summit in Canberra, which was to... <laughs> boost migrant intake by 35,000 35, per year to ease skills shortages. I have two things to say. Okay. Number one, I can feel my economics teacher like shaking in his boots. <laughs> He'd be so excited. <laughs> Number two, I noticed that none of us chose to talk about the jobs and skills summit. I know. Because it is so boring. It is so boring, <laughs> but this is me talking about it. Yeah. Yep. This is this our is way of acknowledging that Our it way happened. of acknowledging it. Um, Cheek is... Chief Executive Community Refugee Sponsorship Australia. So that's the the, the company or the not for profit, I guess, that manages the CRISP program. So they have like a lot of programs. Um, but Lisa Budden, who's the chief executive, says that this is something that the program would like to walk work towards. So she'd like to work towards making this like kind of like something with the government, like some kind of policy with it. And she says, I've been wanting to explain the opportunity that the framework of community sponsorship represents to policymakers to help more humanitarian migrants make a contribution as quickly as possible. People who live locally know the local businesses, they know the local employers, they know the local economies, and they can advise refugee newcomers on where to look for work. They fill that knowledge gap and that experience gap. Um, Similar programs have been happening in Canada and studies of them have shown that 70% of sponsored refugees find employment within the first year. So the CRISP program hopes to support 1,500 refugees in the next three years and the federal government has indicated that it would like to expand it. That's a nice story. Just a nice story. So what do you guys think of this as a solution to skill shortages in Australia? I think it's an easy solution. And I mean, I think it would work. But as I can see that you've written, there's definitely Mm. the stigma that 
migrants do steal jobs. Whether that's true is totally not relevant to it being a stigma that exists. But I think it's a good idea. I mean, I don't think it's the only way to solve the skills shortages. As we say in economics, our supply-side policies need to be better. We need to have more training. Anyway, this is not a revision session. That's boring. Um, we need to have more education to basically fix these yep. problems. Yeah, so I, I think it's one way to solve. Yeah, I, I probably agree. I think um, there's no real harm to it. Like the skill shortages we have right now, we need more people working in high-skilled environments. So, um, yeah, all, all for it. And generally speaking, like... Um, while Australia does cop a bit of slack for our refugee policies and our asylum seeker policies, um, when they do arrive in Australia, generally the quality of life is better than most other refugees in the world. Um, like, it's hard to get into Australia, but once you're in, you've got a pretty good life, in a way, like, in comparison to what other countries might have to deal with. Um, but, like, this is would just add to that, I think, um, I think yeah, it's good story. Good work, Mimi. Thank you. I have one more question. Do okay. you, kind of, my second question that you kind of already said, yeah. but do you think that, like, like members of parliament would want to do this because of said stigma? Do you think that they would be worried that, like, the public would kind of be like, no way, no way, Jose? Isn't it no way, Jose? I know, it's from Kathy and Kim. Yeah. Now they um, say Jose instead of Jose. <laughs> I reckon it would... I think there's a lot of ground to make up in our refugee policy, and I think that because they don't want to, like, increase it by that much, I think this is probably a good way, an easy way for the government to, like, improve its kind of image with in mm. the refugee department. Mm. And that goes like. for the Labor Party as well, because... I meant, I meant, I meant the government, George. No, <laughs> the Labor sorry, Party I mean, like, specifically government. the Labor Party and oh, how, okay. like, they've been... Um, <laughs> kind of one of the... From the left, at least, one of the cr- key criticism is, like, the lack of difference from the Liberals in the refugee policy and migration policies. Um, So if they're not going to at least intake more um, asylum seekers or refugees, then this may be one of the ways that they can always make grounds and appease um, the problems that they have, I guess, caused. Um, I'll be discussing um, Israel and Palestine issues, especially with the Israel's enforcement or lack thereof um, in making Palestinians kind of declare their relationship status with foreigners. Um, so on Sunday, um, this caused quite a bit of critique from the international community. Um, so basically, uh, the protocols for entry of foreign passport holders into West Bank, which is one of the settling areas for um, Israelis in Palestinian area, um had to omit some controversial clauses after outcries from human rights organisations that said previous versions codified Israel's discriminatory restrictions of Palestinian movement. This is according to the Washington Post. Um, After public and private condemnation from diplomats and international organisations, they dropped the requirement for foreign passport holders to declare romantic relationships with Palestinians to Israeli military authorities. It also... um, There was also a clause that said that... um, There was a quota allowing only 100 foreign professors and 150 students into the area of um of uh what of the west bank in general um so 
The main reason that Israel were basically doing this is because they wanted to prevent um, Palestinians from marrying into citizenship because obviously around the world it's a way of class mobility but it's also a way for um, yeah to gain citizenship because all Palestinians are technically termed as being displaced people because they don't have citizenship to any certain state um, and Israel definitely don't want to give um, you know I guess non-jewish and Arab um, residents citizenship and that basically means that they can't vote they can't they don't have access to the public sector they don't have they can't go to you know a hospital or without paying you know a substantial fee um, just general like rights I guess human rights in general are kind of not exactly treated in the same way um, in these Palestinian territories um, so to further add to that, a Palestinian digital rights expert um, and policy analyst said that the aims of the rules were basically surveillance. And to quote, with the new policy, Israel authorities want to map out social circles and property of Palestinians who live abroad with foreign passports. The entire identification system is built to control the most two crucial aspects of Palestine, people and land. Now, in a way, it will also apply to Palestinians with ties to the West Bank, she added. Um, so all of this, like, from a non-Israeli and a not a non, I guess, American sentiment is that, yeah, it's kind of infringing on the rights of Palestinians to have the ability and self-determination in a way. But at the same time, um, the argument from the Israeli side is it's their sovereignty and they have the right to their own sovereignty. Um, so it shouldn't be justified by external countries influencing their decisions. So, um, what, what do you guys think? Is this a is there a right for Israel to allow these policies to be put in place, or is it an infringement of liberalism and human rights and international society? Look, I think that I mean other countries don't make you declare your relationships within thirty days. That seems really quite excessive to me. Mm. Um, I think that I mean obviously Israel Palestine is so complicated and like makes my mind explode a bit yeah um but i think it seems like an infringement of liberties i don't think it's kind of called for yeah i, I guess it's like just that sense of control and also they probably want to collate as much data as they can if they were yeah. to go into like the west bank or the gaza strip in general um they probably want to know that they're not hurting foreigners because that could put more international pressure on um, Israel, um, especially when, after they um, killed that journalist, they did. That was actually another really big story. How there was the Al Jazeera journalist, um, and she was shot by an IDF soldier. When the IDF initially claimed that they didn't shoot her, and then they said that they did yeah, eventually yeah. after their own like investigation. Just the other day, they were like, you did. Yeah, and we did. And there was about a year ago that it happened or so. So I don't think it was that long. No, it was not a that long. Okay, months. a couple months ago, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, like they just backtracked from that. So yeah, like. It's a really interesting case study, I guess. But um, do you think, like, international pressure is a way to, I guess, how much pressure does international community put on the Palestinian-Israeli um, subject in general? I mean, I, I really can't speak to this particular case study. But if we're <laughs> talking in general, I think the international community has a very like big impact on putting pressure on yeah. any kind of foreign relations issue. I feel like even with Ukraine, 
Yeah. You can see yeah. how much, like, the international community, like, put pressure... Well, basically, no one really thinks that what Russia's doing is great. I think that was because mm. of social media. Yeah. Like, I don't think we know as much about it. And I think the reason that we keep hearing about the Ukraine war is because of social media, too. Like, usually news outlets kind of get bored. Yeah, they do. So, I kind of think it does, but I don't know about yeah. the specific I think area of interest. pressure kind of is the only thing that's really stopping it from kind of descending into total, complete war. Mm. You know, because, I, I mean, when it, there was that outbreak of conflict, it might have been last year. Yeah. Um, that was that kind of only stopped because everyone was like, yo, guys, like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that would be a large part of it. Also, obviously, like, I think the biggest part of this was that the US, even the US, didn't support this, and they actually mm-hmm. t- um, condemned Israel, which is, like, mind-boggling from a, from a US perspective um, because normally they have um, or you know, every single thing that Israel do, they normally agree with through like lobbying um but yeah it's kind of interesting because i think that like international pressure plays like a big role in maybe not getting the entire you know argument across but at least it provides an incentive for israel not to go completely ballistic in this situation um and maybe because obviously you know the palestine is at the behest of israel they only really this is like kind of their last resort having said international pressure but um yeah we'll wrap it up there because we are running a bit short on time um you're listening to represent here on sin you know sorry that's made me learn that if you bring a song down like that like you just did at any Mm. point in the song it makes it sound like the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you okay. meant to. I just had to say it. Great. That's that could have definitely been the end of the song. Yeah. Oh, well, it was. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, devil. let's go. We're running out All of time. Right. Okay, anyway, point is, there's a very exciting segment that I'm bringing to everyone here at Sin and to the wider Victorian community right now. <laughs> Basically, a weekly that. game that everyone is going to be part of school curriculum if I... If yeah, correct. Get your way. Yeah, I was on the phone to Dan Andrews before. Um, mm. And basically, what it is, is I'm going to tell you guys two different quotes. One of them is fake, one of them is a real quote from an Australian politician. I'm not going to tell you which is which, but you've got to tell me which one was right. Then, if you get the correct one, you have to tell me what party this politician was from and what the politician's name was. So, are we all clear with the instructions? We're yes. clear. Okay, first quote. The death of the Queen has brought us over the edge. Things will never be the same to be an Australian. We must consolidate with the UK and form a Commonwealth state. Quote one. <laughs> Second quote. Kids from the bush tell me because their speeds are so bad, they keep getting beaten by gamers from overseas. Unacceptable. The second one's the real one. That's... Yeah. No, the Maybe? second one's the real one. What do you one. Think? I think? I've definitely heard Yeah, that. I think the second one. Well, what party? Who's it from? Is it from so Canada? You no, know, you get to tell us if we're right. Oh, yeah. You have to okay. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you had, you had to So do you something. made up that Commonwealth State Yeah. Thing. That's funny. That was, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. that was I took really them two seconds. Um, yeah, and what, what party do we think it's from? I can give can you, you a hint. Can you say the quote again? Okay. Kids from the bush tell me because their speeds are so bad, they keep getting beaten by gamers from overseas. Unacceptable. So you're saying speed is an internet speed. I yeah. was a bit confused yeah. about what you were talking about. Yeah. I was like, what? Okay. Okay. Um, he's, he's done the unacceptable. He's banged on the table. So it's someone like that. I really feel I like it's Bob Catter. 
I really don't know. I'm not sure. But it's got to be someone who was, like, really into, like, the 4G, like... And the bush. Someone from the bush. Oh! Is it Barnaby Joyce? No. Oh. I'll give you a hint. This person resides in the Senate. Oh. Of what? What one? Paul, Paul, <laughs> the federal. Pauline Hanson? No. No, it's not Pauline. It's not Pauline. Not no, from Lambie? <laughs> huh? Jackie Lambie? No, it's not Jackie Lambie. Tasmanians wouldn't even have Wi-Fi. No, i <laughs> Okay, last hint. Okay. You have said the name at some stage. What? Oh, oh it's Bob Catter. He's not in the Senate. Oh. Um, quick intermission. But that was our wrap-up because, you know, that sound effect was saying that your time's up now. Okay. So, the real quote was by One Nation Pauline Hanson. Oh, she put a tweet yes. out for that a little while ago. A, a couple years ago she said that and it <laughs> struck in my mind. Oh, my God. I would not yeah. expect that. That's why it was so shocking to me because I didn't think she cared about, like, no, <laughs> teenage like, gamers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's strange. Like she's not but, um, even that rural either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, we've got to go. We we got to go. But remember, as always, to stay stay political. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.